All right, hello, and welcome back to the OmniTalk Fast Five. It's October 4th, 2019. It's 45 degrees here in balmy Minneapolis. It's also 45 degrees in the studio. <laughs> yeah. It keeps us nice and awake. The heat is on in third house. The heat is on. Chris has way. been practicing that joke for the last 10 uh, minutes yeah, for everyone who... Let's not pretend All right, let's that go, came... Let's go way back and see how millennial are you. Who sang The Heat Is On from Beverly Hills Cop? Oh, I know this. He's no I, longer alive, by the way, either. Yeah, I which know. Which is really sad. Oh, my God. You know why I know? I know why you know, actually. Because Will Ferrell played him on Saturday Night Live, not because I remember the he did? actual. I don't oh, remember God, that. Oh, God, didn't you ever see that skit? It was amazing. The HSO? <laughs> I don't remember that, God. but do you know who it is? Uh, I can't remember. It's one of your name. favorite bands of all time. He was one of the front men of one of the fav- your favorite bands of Kenny all time. Kenny Loggins? No, Glenn Fry. Glenn Eagles. Fry. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, you love the Eagles. Oh, God. We're going to bring back Hotel How Millennial California. Are You? Yeah, right. We do. We haven't done that. We still do it on the on the, on the the Spotlight series. But uh, but yeah, so exciting news. How have you guys been? You guys been good? Carter, do you even know who the Eagles are? Uh, yeah, I know of their legacy. I can't believe yeah. say he that. He saw the I'm, documentary on Netflix, but does it was not shot care. in a four by three, and I mean sixteen <laughs> by nine. It was kind of weird. I had to turn it off. That's awesome. That's awesome. Oh man, we've got some exciting news. We had an intern start with us this week. Oh yeah, Emma the intern. Emma the intern helped us prepare all of what you see today. That's so thank right. Thank you, Emma. Thanks, Ho- Emma. Thanks, Emma. Hope you're listening. We're excited to have her on board. Our first official third house intern from the University of Minnesota. Holla! That is awesome. My favorite thing about Emma is she actually works also in retail. So I'm super excited to uh, have that kind of first world experience kind of come into the content. I think it's important uh, to this whole thing because I think at times we live in this world where we're getting a little disconnected from it. Um, let's say I mean like the front lines in that case, right, no, but I think part. I think it'll be really fun to have that uh, that perspective. Yeah, yeah, she works at the Mall of America too. That's very it. stylish yeah. boots on the ground. Yeah, very stylish boots on the ground. Um, so yeah, you guys ready to get to the news this week? Let's do it. All right, first let's start with an announcement from our sponsor. Of course, as always, the OmniTalk Fast Five is sponsored by Trigo. Trigo provides checkout free technology. That sets your customer free. Trigo's network of ceiling-mounted cameras sees what no other systems can see. It creates a 3D image of retailers' shop floor environments and maps the movement of every object as consumers shop. Its proprietary algorithms and neural networks enable a frictionless shopping experience where consumers can enter the store, pick, and leave. All right, let's get to it. Who's starting us off? Is it me? You. Oh my you are gosh. starting Good, us off today. Good, because I am high high energy here if you're watching at home on youtube with my shop talk mug oh all right there's a picture of chris on his shop there talk is. mug can you everybody see that can there you go there it goes now you can see it up. perfect my big, my big caricature all right story number one i'm a Let's caricature of my former self all right story number one amazon is even closer to opening up a new grocery chain. That's right. According to Canadian Grocer and the Wall Street Journal, Amazon has reportedly signed more than a dozen leases in the Los Angeles area, again, giving likely signs that the company plans to move forward with a new chain of grocery stores. The first stores are likely to be set in densely populated suburban areas with other locations in Chicago and Philadelphia supposedly in the works. Now, this again begets the question, they bought Whole Foods, but it ain't about Whole Foods. It's about, as I like to call it, the xenomorph between Whole Foods and Amazon, like the scene in Aliens when they're all sitting around the table, everybody's happy, excited, they think nothing's wrong, and all of a sudden, baby bursts out of John Hurt's belly, everyone starts screaming, only in this case, the alien popping out of the belly, 
is not a movie. It's real life, and it has Jeff Bezos' head on it in terms of what this could mean for the grocery industry. Okay, I'm exuberant. What do you guys think? <laughs> These are new builds, right? We're thinking brand new builds, a whole whole kind of uh, mm-hmm. xenomorph. I'm not really familiar with that term, but um, I think <laughs> is, it's super. Is anyone? Uh, no one is. That's fine. Uh, I think at the end of the day, like we look at what potentially could come from all the learnings from Whole Foods slammed together with all the learnings that Amazon has from the legacy that they've created, and you're going to see something that doesn't look like a traditional grocery store. I think you're going to see a mix of what Whole Foods is today, uh, what maybe Target Drive Up is starting to revolutionize some of their stores with, all slammed together into this urban environment that's optimized for everything that Amazon is providing to consumers uh, while still providing the experience that people want with grocery. Yeah, I think it's going to be great, especially to see what else happens outside of the... I'm more excited for what happens outside of the store footprint itself. I think there's a lot of opportunity, especially going into these densely populated urban areas, for them to expand um, more delivery services and really give a lot of the other grocery stores a run for their money. However... Guys, I'm a little nervous. My Amazon like red flag thing is making Are me you tinfoil hatting again. I, I'm on, kind of tinfoil hatting. One? Why? Uh, just because I think I we know we all know that Amazon's going to do this so well. And what does that mean? Like, how many people are going to go out of business because they're doing this really well? It's going to end some grocery chains. Is a lot a number? I think that's where we're headed. That's what I mean. No, I mean I think you're right. That's what the part of the part of this that I keep hitting hard that I want to hit again just because I think it was a motif in what you guys said, but I want to bring it more explicitly out. Whole Foods is great, but Whole Foods is really high priced stuff. But at the same time, Amazon has been experimenting with how to deliver that product very, very quickly mm-hmm. to their prime members. You open your own grocery chain with mass market products, like things you can't find at a Whole Foods, mm-hmm. like Doritos. Like regular old diapers and everything else. The things that people want. The th- yeah, right. right? Mm-hmm. The things that people want at a value in their budget. And they know how to do the delivery combination with that. I mean, yeah, I don't, how, where else does this go? I think, Ann, your point's right. I don't, is that bad? Is that bad? I don't, what, do you think that's bad? I look at well. I'm looking at it from the positive side of like now all of a sudden you have this infrastructure really saturated throughout the entire you know country and the potential of innovating on top of that with the new tools now at play are really interesting. So for me, it's more like all right, well you know they're getting good at delivery, they're getting good at you know an in-store experience maybe with Whole Foods, but what's those now that you have all of these physical locations, like what does a convenience store in the front of the store look like, or what does you know what what's possible now? The fact that they're able to now increase their expand their infrastructure in this type of way yeah what happened to the seattle store that they were rumored to be opening because that was Not like sure yet Amazon remember license plate set. readers yeah, and like everything 12, like 10, that yeah square feet, 12, yeah square feet with the back room um, um don't know we'll still see i mean who knows i mean they always are running experiments but at the end of the day like you're saving me money as we just talked about oh and by the way you're also saving me time as a retail idea it's awesome I don't. It, I don't yes, know. I, no one's this, disagreeing. This is not the thing that scares me about Amazon. Of all the things we've, I guess. Talked about. I guess it's the more that Amazon is in my ears all the time, or on my finger, like we talked about my, last week, yes, right? Or like they're the they, if they become the grocery store now, and all of this, every the whole industry is going to change because of if they do this as well as we think we they will. Right. Like even the grocers that are trying to compete and trying to, they're partnering with other technology companies. Like Amazon's so far ahead of these guys. How is that going to be possible? And that's what I worry about. I just Amazon, it, they do amazing things, but man, 
are we going to have any other options? So if this is in LA, as is posited, you're basically, what's coming through here is you have compassion for Ralph's. I always have compassion for the Ralph's of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I think, you know, I wonder if there is room potentially for. Nothing wrong with that. You know, you look at potentially the corporate giant that's coming in. And I think some of the feedback that we heard just, you know, not necessarily formally, but more from an opinion base of how, you know, the Whole Foods experience potentially kind of lost its edge of the personalized service and the really high, you know, high quality grocery. I wonder if there will be something that will be carved out, um, allowing mom and pop shops to specialize in, let's say, a certain category of produce. Now, I'm not saying I'm not trying to mitigate the fact that it's going to completely decimate some of those middle tier type of retailers in terms of grocery. But I wonder if there's a way that specialty retail especially grocery can still have a spot to thrive in this yeah i well, agree i'm just just scared well, like, what, it scares just me scared. and what other innovation comes off that i think carter i mean i was talking with the grocery key guys who we've had on the podcast before and like you know at what point is there a new brand that develops around like how you shop for fresh meats and produce like mm-hmm. is there a fresh grocery experience that starts as a result of that that none of us have conceived of yet that's not amazon's you know Ballywick, so to speak. Like, yeah. that's not what they do. So, that means that space is wide open for somebody else to innovate on. If who's going to do it, we'll find out. If those grocers can work with the suppliers at the same levels that an Amazon is capable of doing. Like, there's just, there's a lot of trickle down effect that I think ha- is going to happen as a result mm-hmm. of this that we haven't even, we can't even begin to. Yeah, it just bifurcates the whole imagine. experience. But, but anyway, story number two. All right. Good discussion. Let's get, let's all right. Get, let's we get off humming. of my terror. It's, it is the month of Halloween, and Amazon is like my haunted house. Um, okay. So we're going next to story number two the Rue Guilt Group, who uh, many of you may know because of the flash sites Rue La La and Guilt Group. Um, they have just been given a $280 million investment from Simon Malls. Uh, what Simon is asking of the Rue Guilt Group is to help them, uh, the nation's largest shop, shopping mall operator, launch a website for online shopping. So if you go to shoppremiumoutlets.com, the current site that they're operating, um, you can see the shopping experience isn't bad already. I checked it out this morning. Um, isn't a terrible shopping experience, but definitely could use some work. And so um, on Wednesday, Simon offered the, for an, a 50% stake in the Rue Gilt Group to um, to have them take this online. So think about all of these outlet malls that Simon owns all over the country. Now you have all of that product, all of that unsold or overstock product that can now be sold in the online space in addition to all of their physical locations. I think this is a brilliant move. What do you guys think? I, I I think it's brilliant at its core. Like I think the idea of it is really amazing. I think they're doing the right thing in terms of this investment. What worries me is understanding what the role of this dot com can be in conjunction with their physical footprint. So you talk about a couple of really great things. You talk about inventory, unlocking inventory, so that maybe you have that one piece of clothing that's at a great discount, but it's not here in your Albertville outlets or whoever owns that. But mm-hmm. it's not here in the area where you're able to get it, and so you're able to connect kind of the two types of things. What I worry about though is the consumer experience, the experience online that's going to be needed in order for consumers to actually enjoy that process is an incredibly difficult thing to do. And I'm just concerned that they're going to try to bite off something that, you know, 
fundamentally is correct, but the layer they wrap around it, you know, the UI and the UX of the actual website is going to be so horrible and so hard to navigate. How that's so? Gonna, well, if you think about, so like right now, like one of the things I talk about a lot is like why Amazon is so powerful. It's not necessarily the, the backend like infrastructure of the whole thing. It's because right. they have spent years and years and millions and millions of dollars to make sure that the .com, the app, the Echo, everything is perfect. And that's one of the reasons we just go there because search is amazing on there. It's easy to find the buy button. We know how to do it. Our credit card information is saved. It's all good. And now we have this whole thing where we might not like consumers don't like to go other platforms besides Amazon because you got to go register your account. You got to re-enter your credit card number. You have to do all these things. And usually these smaller companies don't necessarily have the infrastructure in order to build out the great user experience that Amazon has spent hundreds of millions of dollars on. Hence why Shopify is so amazing is because they try to take a little bit of the weight off of like the small retailers and Mm -hmm. give them that. But I worry that, yes, at its core, this is going to be an amazing idea. However, are they going to realize the needs of the consumer today and build an experience that people actually want to be in. Have you ever shopped Rulala or Guilt Group? Did you ever shop I haven't, those sites? No. So long time ago. I, yeah, I guess I I think you're you're right, Carter, and they do have a huge they do have a huge task at hand. However, Amazon does, is not great at apparel shopping. So true. And it's the very search, true. even though the search is great if you know exactly what you oh, want to buy. Horrible. But yeah. when you're talking apparel and you're talking people, there's a significant market for this outlet mall shopping and for this c- consumer who doesn't care if I get the J brand jeans from last year or from gear. this yeah, year. Yeah. If I am now, what I love about this is that now I'm able to, I know my brands that I like, they carry the premium brands. And I can go now online and instead of just shopping the traditional like Nordstrom rack, going to a Marshalls or to a TJ Maxx, now you have a whole world of product and a whole an easy database to search. Like even as it stands right now, it's still pretty great. The shopping experience is not bad as as someone who shopped a, a Nordstrom rack or Saks off fifth kind of site. This off price market, I think, is this is going to be huge for them. They're they're gonna be able to clear inventory. They're gonna be able to reallocate resources at these outlet malls who are not as busy during the week when they don't have the high traffic uh, like they do on the weekends. I think there's a lot of a lot of uh, opportunity and a lot of efficiencies that are going to be found from this. Can I make one quick comparison to maybe debunk myself? So you brought up an interesting point of the value that these types of stores are bringing to the consumer is the thrill of the hunt and the potential great deal. Mm -hmm. Is that accurate or am I... Coming. I think it was at one point. I think now this this is going to change that. Like right. now you have, an, it's easier to find that sure. good deal. I just think if you look at the discount outlets, like if you look at, mm-hmm. you know, some of these, you know, Nordstrom Rack or whatever, like their store is kind of potentially like this website is going to be. They're not focused on having it being the nicest store in the world, well lit, perfectly organized. That's kind of the thrill of the hunt a little bit if you think about it. And like, you know, and you're, you're shaking your head. I don't know if that's accurate. Uh, I'm just trying to think maybe there is a little bit of parallel here where consumers are going to have more great race, let's say, for not the most perfect online experience, knowing the fact they're going to get the products they want at a really good price. I think, okay, so I think, I'll jump in here. I think, I think, a couple things. I love doing this too. God, I love doing this because I can just sit back and like we all, any of us can do it too. We sit back, listen to the others to debate the issue, and then you kind of form your own opinion off it too, which is so fun. But I love the move for a couple couple reasons. One, I mean, I wrote about, it's so funny because I wrote this exact thing in Forbes last week and somebody just did it. Like, that is so cool. Like, I was like, why don't malls make their own digital marketplaces? Because they're physical marketplaces already. Why don't they make digital ones? So they've just done it, right? That's really cool. The other thing that I didn't think about and that you just brought up, which is awesome, is 
This actually gives you, unlike Amazon, it actually gives you confidence in the quality of the products because the products and hmm. the companies available in that marketplace are all certified by those brands and companies that are in those marketplaces. So the stuff they're selling is good stuff. You don't have to worry about the counterfeits. You don't have to worry about the baloney. You know routine. what's coming from yeah. the store you already trust. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. And there's a lot of it and there's a lot of value. Now, Carter, I think you're bringing up good points too because the Achilles heels to me are a couple fronts. Number one, I still think the UX on this is really hard. It's why there's never been an e-commerce model that's really worked for the treasure hunt bargain type deal. It's why we've talked about how TJX and those kinds of things and Costco even continue to be successful. It's hard to do from a UX design perspective. The closest thing that's been done is what these guys have really specialized on in the past, in Mm -hmm. my opinion, which is the deal buy. So e-commerce works great for deal buys. It's like, here's our hot thing. Mm -hmm. But when you're having to like treasure hunt or pick and peck of things that aren't stable in your assortment... And by stable, I mean like there consistently. It's hard for people to know how to find and browse what they want in that experience. So that part is tricky. It's not unsolvable, but it's hard. The second piece is I think Mm. coordinating that across all the purveyors in these marketplaces is still challenging. So you've got the logistical dynamics of that in terms of how inventory is going to get moved and coordinated, which I think is hard. And then third is I think, Carter, what you said is also the physical architecture of this thing matters too. So the thing I see is like, I'm like $280 million. One, that seems like a lot of money. Like, do you really need to invest that much money to do what we're talking about? It might even make more sense to build it straight from the ground up, but I don't know. And then two, how are you combining the physical elements of this? How are you making more concierge services available at these types of malls? Like, where's the pickup points? Where's curbside? Are there locker services? Are we pooling any type of operational dynamics here at these malls for these retailers who are going to be selling their things on these websites? If that doesn't happen, a lot of this could fall flat because you could fall back into a bad situation with UX. You might not be given the speed and convenience of the user experience on the physical side if you want to go there and just pick your stuff up quickly. There's a lot of things that could still go wrong with this, even though in principle, I like it. I uh, I respond. Go for it. You, I you're still chomping think you at the guys, bit. You guys keep talking about UX. You guys, the sites are not that bad. And there's not a lot of work to be like. It's so not. Why, why it's, has no one I done think, TJX online? They are. Marshall's just started a website last week. They just started week. it, but, but why has no one done it well? I think that the key thing here, you guys think about outlet malls and what they're selling. I can't tell you the exact percentage, but it's it's mostly apparel and footwear. You oh, have your f- yeah, you have your few yeah. like cooking stores or whatever yeah. in the no, mix, right. but yeah. like you guys, they're doing apparel well now, and not, and it's not like the it's not the one off treasure hunt for the apparel as much as it is the other stuff that's in the Marshalls and TJ Maxx that make it hard. You're right. And it's a little bit different than that stuff too. You're right. right. To your point. And there's going to be more of it too. You're playing the trend that there's going to be more stuff going to outlet as these businesses go go down. Yeah. I just, that's, I, I, that's my, I think that there, your points are valid, both of you, but I just, I think it's not as difficult to make this happen in a way that a person like me who will shop these, this site and who has shopped this site, like it's already not terrible. Like it can only go up from here. And now that I have access to so much more product, like the biggest disappointment when you're shopping Rulala or Gilt or any of these sites is that the product is not in my size or they run out fast. So now that I have access to what's in the physical stores and I don't have to go to an awful like outlet mall, I love it. I think I'm with you. I mean, I I know we're vehemently arguing this, especially (laughs) if you're watching on YouTube, but fingers are pointed, everything. (laughs) But like... But like I'm with you. I think I think it's the right investment to make. If anything, I would say, all right, guys, you know, especially double down on what you're doing on the architecture side. 
and the infrastructure side of the actual malls themselves, get some people in here that can help you on the experience design side of how that should work and make this thing work. Because it could work is what you're saying. Yeah, the connection of all the physical stores is, I think, the hardest part of this, but... I digress. Let's go. And Simon, there may be people available for that. So you, know, just you guys, you guys know who won't be shopping at these stores. Who's that? You, LeBron James and Maverick <laughs> Carter. Uh, <laughs> LeBron James and Maverick Carter's brand uninterrupted launched a new Nike sneaker collection and e-commerce store. So that's right. So Maverick and LeBron's media company, Uninterrupted, has hit a new milestone this week, announcing a new collaboration with Nike that will release on October seventh through Uninterrupted's newly launched e-commerce store. The collection, which will include Uninterrupted branded Air Force Ones and apparel items such as hoodies, socks, shorts, and hats. Uh, so the, the launch's media company. The idea has all been around empowerment, um, and and the uh, foundation really is kind of based on that. So Maverick Carter states in the expansion of retail also represent an expansion of how uninterrupted sees itself as a role in promoting this type of empowerment. Uh, The releasing of the products and apparel is being used as a vehicle to further the emotional connection uh, between consumers and the brand, especially through personalized products such as the Air Force Ones, as well as allow Maverick and LeBron and their audience to get to know each other better. Wow, that last line was uh, was was quite unique. (laughs) So here's the deal. This is awesome. Nike. Maverick Carter, LeBron James, new e-commerce environment. I love it. I absolutely love it. What so do you guys cool. think? It's the Glossier of footwear. It's this is taking that model and like they're well, going to blow it up. That. I think yeah, it's, it's, it's super going to blow it up. It's yeah. taking culture yeah. and applying it with commerce in the background, and mm-hmm. it's absolutely amazing. This is what I love about it: is that consumers are actually going to look to these icons and look to this platform for advice and for inspiration. And you know what? If you want to buy from them, it's there in the background. Glossier, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's taking the tech. The tech's getting to a level now where it's so reliable, or it will become so reliable that the actual authorities, you know, whether it's an Emily Weiss or in reality, especially in the athletic world, like LeBron James, Michael Jordan, those guys, it's just going to be up to business managers to decide how they want to seed it and just make all this thing of make all what these they things available do with all directly. The money. Yeah, Ryan's toy review. I mean, like anybody can do this now, and it's it. This is, I mean, damn. I mean, this is like the shot heard heard around the world, in my opinion. This is. This is a big deal. The sneaker's cool too. Yeah. And- Emma, the intern, loves it, by the way, for those listening. Mm-hmm. And here, and here's the thing. If we resume back to story number, what, two we were just talking about? Yeah. Like, you know, I, it sounds like kind of we're talking out of both sides of our mouth here a little bit. But I think at the end of the day, the purpose of the story is the fact that they have a brand that's instantly loved and instantly notable. And they're turning on e-commerce in the background and doing it probably pretty efficiently. Yeah, and you're still not do. I still don't think you're gonna do this kind of stuff for mass, you know, consumption. No. Like this is still like high end premium consumption, but which many many people will aspire to. Totally, don't get me wrong. So it's still mass appeal. It's a completely different product, but there's still a lot of retail to be done through right. other means. What What is also interesting? I mean, you're gonna have to help me because you know my sports knowledge is very limited. But uh, so they it's got overstatement. They got a, a lawmaker in California to sign the bill on their show. Did you see that? So that. Col- College athletes can get money from their name and the use of their name. That That was signed on their signed the bill on their show. And so now you take every one of those college athletes and you open up this platform to each one of them who now have the ability it's to amazing. use their name and likeness. Like we're going to well, see so many of these, these guys are exploding. Way ahead of it. Yeah. You think LeBron James calls you and says, "Hey, I think you should sign that bill on my show." You're like, "Sweet, LeBron, I'll be right there. No problem. Yeah. Here I come." Yeah, wow. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. Now, story number four, though, is even crazier. Well, story number four is one of my favorite topics, obviously, Instagram and shopping slamming together. So Instagram's piloting a new 
product. It's called Instant Product Before Launch Anthem. Notification Service, enabling consumers to step up automatic reminders about upcoming product releases through Instagram shopping. So the, the product is actually launched through an Instagram sticker or through a button on the actual feed. But what it allows people to do is it allows people to set up a reminder to get a notification when the product is actually available for purchase. Now, this is genius on a couple different sides. From a consumer standpoint, it's really amazing because now I don't have to remember that, hey, tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., that product that I really want is going to be available. So I better be on the app ready to go, even though I probably already am thanks to Instagram's usage rates, right? Uh, But from a shopping standpoint, this is absolutely incredible. Instagram is utilizing kind of this trend in drops and scarcity, and they're building products around it, allowing people who are selling on the platform to not only trigger tons of sales or an avalanche of sales from a consumer, but Instagram now has a reason for people to come back onto the app in moments where they might not be actually interacting with them. So think of the capability that is going to be or really the opportunity that will come into play um, now that you're really having this meaningful trigger to jump back into the platform when you might not already be. So scale of one to 10, Carter, how cool is this? It, it, I wouldn't say it's cool. Here's the thing. Okay. It's, it's not flashy. It's a very basic concept. Like mm-hmm. It's just a notification. The that basic po- works. The point being, though, is it works. And we see the consistent or the, the continued movement uh, towards more and more shopping features. Yep. Um, and unlocking just little things like this means huge, huge things for some of their, you know, I think Nike and Adidas are both part of the pilot program. I mean, think about shoe drops. Like if we go back to story number three, yeah. all of a sudden now, like why would you drop it anywhere else? Like why would you drop a product anywhere else? Mm-hmm. You have everything you need on Instagram. You have saved payment information. You're fulfilling through Instagram. You're 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 advertising through them. So you're doing yep. paid media. And every single person who signed up for a drop notification is going to get it at the same time, making this what was once a physical footprint or physical stores kind of golden age of drops now is going to happen all on Instagram, a platform that their fans know and love and live on three to four hours a day. So Carter, not being as cool as you are and not like the last thing I think I tried to go online for to buy was concert tickets and that was a long time ago um what does this do though for the the like the whole drop concept like if if now those cool people who you know knew about a sneaker drop and there's only 150 pairs of sneakers like is this going to are those people going to be like well this sucks now there's 500,000 people that know about it and or is it just an opportunity for brands to put out more? Like what what happens to the drop culture now that this is being like democratized across Instagram? I think you'll I, well, I think each brand will probably play that in a way that they would like. Yeah. You know, I, I, I get what you're saying is like we, we used to launch 150 pairs in New York and L.A. and Miami. But right. now all of a sudden a bunch of kids in Tennessee potentially are going to get all the shoes. Yeah. Um, I think, though, when you look at brands spreading beyond like the epicenters of culture democratization is pretty amazing um now they have to be careful of how do you not water down you know the true value of like oh the shoe is a new york shoe it launches in new york doesn't mean they're not going to do incredible activations in new york city it doesn't mean they're not going to do all these celebrity appearances and endorsements and all that kind of stuff but you're doing is you're making the act of actually purchasing those drops uh something that is just a couple taps away on a platform that they know and love and not a delta flight to new york city to try to get those shoes well and you have to look at it not as a point in time too i think you know from then i'd say from our experience as retailers what i think about this too is 
that data actually over time becomes inherently better and more valuable too. So every time you try to do this, you know how many people are signing up to get notified of the drop. Mm -hmm. So then you get a better idea from an inventory forecasting perspective, how big is big as you do these different types of things, which that type of data still is kind of ephemeral because you don't know exactly. You have people are interested, but are they casually interested? Are they really interested? Mm -hmm. Like this gives you a little bit of a better estimation of all that. This happened to me, by the way. I remember telling you, Neil. You're not cool enough Neil, to get a, a Neil, drop. who's no longer here and got no longer, uh, he's he's off on his next next adventure. But hope he's doing well. You guys made fun of me because there was a Nike shoe, an Air Jordan that I wanted to buy, that I missed the timing on, and thankfully I didn't buy it because you guys talked me out of it after I showed it to you. Um, but had this been available, that shoe would probably be on my foot right now. So that makes me think it's cool. Okay. All right. That's fair. Story number five. Uh, let's close us out with what else? The Kardashians. The Kardashians are launching today on Friday, a business to sell clothes from their own closets as resale. Uh, the resale market has expanded, but Kardashian closet, obviously spelled closet with a K, will allow shoppers to purchase used items from the closets of the Kardashians through their new online store. They're releasing, they've released a couple of items in advance of this drop. Um, I just used drop. They, they've, <laughs> they've dropped a couple of the items on Instagram. So they have a whole Instagram account dedicated to highlighting the, the items that they'll be selling. Um, but the first few items, you guys care what they are? Or are you just of course like, we not do. 100% interested? I care. Of One of Chris do. Jenner's Gucci handbags that is beautiful. Is um, it? and athletic set from Kith, which Kith. I know Chris is going to be on there trying to get. I like Kith. Kith is a cool store. And a pair of off-white boots who Emma the intern just uh, introduced the brand to Chris today, yesterday also. Nice, so, nice. Um, yeah, dude, those are a few of the items the you can buy. Three name drops already. I know. Yeah, she's in, making on moves. On day two. That's yeah. right. So is this is a store uh, through an actual commerce, like an e-commerce store or like is it through Instagram or how are they actually selling right the Right now it's through Instagram. Their stores, they have an Instagram page. So store. the narrative mm-hmm. continues here. Mm-hmm. It's like why would you ever go to a different platform when you're able to do everything, especially when the Kardashians have like such an iconic, uh, let say influence on the instagram world yeah. like why the heck would you spin up another shop when you can actually just make a couple hundred thousand dollars casually taking pictures in your closet yeah so smart i mean people will want to buy the kardashians so items smart. for various reasons whether they like fashion or other things we probably don't need to get into but uh yeah it's brilliant i mean the there's a move going toward the resale market. We know that. And you know, we were talking again, I'm going to say Emma's name again, but when we were talking about the stories for today. We were, she even mentioned, you know, like if, if people like the Kardashians and people with a huge following start getting into this market, like they have the potential possibly to give some of these established players like the real, real run for their money. I mean, yeah. If I'm the real, real, I'm, quaking in my boots no pun intended right literally on this story i think it's it's you know it's fascinating because it's a, a literally a direct vetting of the quality of the product mm-hmm. that those people are standing behind you could get into some games with this too like i'm curious how many you know do the, the kardashians probably don't even pay for their clothes so the cost of goods on their business for this is probably zero and that's probably true of almost any celebrity so like holy crap if this works and they get the technology to stand this up quickly for anybody this thing could explode well i think that's the question is explode. how will this continue to expand and we all know 
know that it will continue to expand, but yeah. in what direction. But imagine just from an endorsement standpoint, it's like instead of just endorsing it, why don't you say that you used it and it was from your closet? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And how, what a way to launch a brand. Mm-hmm. Well, like the college thing you were just talking about, like game worn sneakers in the final four. Now I can sell them the same way. Right. You know, like and put, you know, all kinds of provenance, bringing French back into it after last week, into the whole game as well. So, like, this is. I, these these stories are just game changing this week. Like this whole social commerce idea that we talked about a lot. This is man, it's coming faster and more furious than we ever ever expected. That's for sure. All right. Well, that closes us up for the week. Lots of cool stories. Lots of cool stories this week. So, a couple of housekeeping notes. If you are interested in checking out Third House, we've had a lot of cool speakers at Third House recently. Just yesterday, we had Julie Kaczynski. Who gave a and gave a, a presentation in in Third House? Yeah, Julie came. She has a company called Pitchwell, and uh, the content will be available from that event on the thirdhouse.com site for our members shortly. But Julie helps uh, work with everybody from startups to established um, companies, people within those companies who are trying to pitch uh, innovation projects to executive leadership, for example. Um, did a really great presentation yesterday on on some you know mistakes that common common mistakes made in pitches and then ways to quickly turn those around. Yeah, absolutely. And she'll be back here for Startup Week next week here in Minneapolis too. So if you're yep. not available, that content is available online. We also had Sasha Martin recently. Uh, she talked about you know what it's like to run a high-end fashion boutique in the age of Amazon. And of course, we also had a presentation from yours truly that I've given throughout the country this year. So if you're interested in checking that out, remember... If you're a loyal OmniTalk subscriber and listener, you get a discount to our memberships. Just use the code FAST5 when you sign up and you should be all set. In addition, we have video now of our Fast Five podcast, as you as you probably heard us allude to, that goes live on YouTube every Saturday. Um, so if you're interested in viewing or listening to our content via that medium, please check it out and do so. As always, remember to like, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Every difference makes a difference. Our reviews are definitely climbing, so thank you. In fact, if you're listening to this right now, head on over to the YouTube channel, subscribe there as well, rate, review it. It'll only take a few seconds, and God, it'll mean a hell of a lot to both, to Anne especially. All right, and last but not <laughs> least. I need, I need confirmation. I need absolutely, acceptance. Absolutely. <sighs> and last but not least, I want to give a big shout out to our sponsor, Trigo. Thank you for your ongoing support. Emma, the intern, great job first week. Neil, hope you're doing well too. And of course, from everyone here in the podcast studio from Third House in Minneapolis, be careful out there.